Dylan was, he was a revolutionary, man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind. This is Bob Dylan, about man and God and law. the second half of the speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony that has been accompanying this podcast for 30 plus episodes, the one in which Bruce Springsteen welcomes Bob Dylan to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1988, Springsteen calls Dylan the brother you never had. It's the same phrase that Dylan used to describe Lenny Bruce in the song, Lenny Bruce, he was the brother you never had. Go figure. Neither Lenny Bruce nor Bob Dylan seem much like the huggable big brother type. Maybe Bruce Springsteen means something else about Dylan. Maybe something like what Dylan suggests about Lenny Bruce. A brother as being wiser. The one like you, but not quite like you. A kind of future you in your family metaverse. The one who has been through the ups and downs of the world before you, taking a machete to overgrown rules and getting busted and grounded and paying a price to make coming of age easier for the next one up. Which is that future you? But he didn't commit any crime He just According to Father Richard Rohr, who I've been studying with a bit of younger brother, even son-like awe recently, the purpose of the first half of life is to build a strong container or identity for ourselves. Our siblings may be even more important in this respect than our parents. Same content, slightly different form, parallel worlds of the same stuff with only one of you out of the gate, to the first half of life, 
before before the other. Now, that first half of life is about making our way in the world by becoming a part of it. Through personal agency, establishing ourselves, foreign within systems, finding a vocation, a place, a room, and a voice of one's own. For many people, this also involves finding a partner and making a home, establishing a circle of peers, engendering a sense of security and identity, to be confirmed, conformed, and constituted as part of something greater than oneself, to get up in the morning and go to work each day, as Bruce Springsteen might say, or as he does say in the song, The Promised Land. But your eyes go blind and your blood runs cold and sometimes you feel so weak you just want to explode. Springsteen says that too. Alfred J. Prufrock in the captain's tower measured out his life in coffee spoons. How does rock and roll measure out lives for those who didn't die young and pretty, but rather lived a life and a half or more in the first half of life, like Springsteen and Dylan? And now, half a century after being those kids looking for someone older and wiser to show them the way have become everybody's brother's keeper and a rock-and-roll elder. These wise men come of age after being wiseacres in a young man's game, show business, rock-and-roll. Then it's the, is that all there is, blues. Sarah, Sarah. And it's still, still Bob Dylan Book Month here as we get close to closing the book on the pages and the text of this show. This time we are looking at another of the books of Dylan's life, maybe the book of his life, The Philosophy of Modern Song, released a few short months ago. Deceptive, sly, heartfelt, lazy, associative, random, decidedly unwoke, even uncouth or sexist, but layered with moments of great beauty 
great beauty and wisdom. That's the philosophy of modern song. It's a reflection on what the suffering, the sadness, the seeking, the gooviness, and the joy are all about from a man deep into the second half of life. It's a term which we will explain shortly. Now we're going to take Dylan's title seriously and try to read between the lines of this book. What is the philosophy here? What's modern about it? Is there a code, or even, or even a half code, for living the good life embedded within? And why, of all things, should we trust these particular songs and this particular listener, one Bob Dylan, to explain what is in some ways both a testament and a feint about the glue that holds a modern, contemplative, creative life together? We'll be calling on the writing of Father Richard Rohr for help. He's a man of faith, myth, contemplation, and action whose work gives a parallel to Dylan's philosophy of modern song. He, Dylan, is also a man of faith, myth, contemplation, and action. We're going to see where these two teachers and the philosophy of modern song meet. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff the host of About Man and God in Law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan, a podcast that inspired a book by the same name found wherever fine books about the philosophy of modern song are sold. Welcome to episode 10 of season three. This is part four of Bob Dylan Book Month. Together through life, Bob Dylan's Philosophy of Modern Song. According to Father Richard Rohr, author of books including Falling Upward, A Spirituality for the Two Halves of Life, it was Carl Jung who popularized the phrase the two halves of life to describe the dialectical pacing and purpose of human experience. The first half of life is about what most of us see as the primary purpose of our time on Earth, building an identity to lead us to tasks and accomplishments, security in the factory of things and people that Springsteen bucks up against in his songs of rebellion. First half of life takes place in the place where Dylan scribes being taught and grown up there. It's called the Midwest and with God on our side, those carefully tended hedgerows behind a locked garden gate. He acidly dismantles in It's All Right, Ma, or A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. Father Rohr suggests that Jung understood the factory of the first half of life as the obsessive but necessary pastime dominated by only a part of the self. It's the self that Jung's teacher Freud deemed to be dominated by the ego. A healthy ego. A healthy ego is essential for getting things done in the first half of life, and the bigger the ego, the faster and the further life gets interesting for a rock star. But inevitably, even stars like Dylan and Springsteen discovered that those best-laid plans of a hearty ego are not enough to feed a soul hungry for meaning beyond it. First half of life can mean the rosy cheeks and apple pie of Norman Rockwell, but underneath runs Springsteen's The River where man, that was all she wrote, 
or Nebraska, where there's just a meanness in the world. Sure, there are different kinds of happy endings in first halves of lives. After all, Springsteen's album, The River, that features the song by the same name, also has a jaunty tune called I Want to Marry You, not to mention Cadillac Ranch. But real purpose and identity come after those dreams of a promised land are shattered, like in the stone-cold killer of a song, Point Blank, that opens the dark dirges that dominate the second LP of that double album, the second half of Life in the River. He may have been just 29 years old when he released it in 1980, but much of the river ripples with second half of life sentiment, in which, according to Father Rohr, the ego still has a place, but only as a vessel for ferrying the soul across the river to something far beyond the trials and tribulations of the material world. Father Rohr quotes Jung, writing of Jung's own experiences, sounding very much like a man reflecting back on brokenness in the river or point blank. It was only after the illness that I understood how important it is to affirm one's own destiny. In this way, we forge an ego that does not break down when incomprehensible things happen, an ego that endures, that endures the truth, and that is capable of coping with the world and with fate. Then, to experience defeat is also to experience victory. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Looking back in this context to Bob Dylan and Lenny Bruce and Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan, maybe Lenny Bruce was the older brother that Dylan never had, an older brother with such utter disdain for the corruption of the rules of the first half of life that it killed him. Second half of life is an opportunity for reflection, contemplation, and synthesis. 
which is about making peace with the mysteries rather than trying to conquer them. The second half of life does not preclude suffering, of course. In fact, it may invite suffering, but neither does it result in bitterness or abuse. It manifests resignation and empathy, two themes we've talked about a lot in the music of Bob Dylan here and in the book. While he has presented himself as both a precocious boy wonder and a grumpy old man, I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. (laughs) From nearly the beginning of his career, Dylan clearly relishes the role of elder statesman, a man who has seen and done it all, who goes down to the parlor to relive his dreams and trying to get to heaven before they close the door. But now his rage has faded. Even his mid to late period jadedness has eased. Now... There's a sense of wonder, even if there's a sadness about what it means to have lived and then keep on living for so long. Dylan's opinions are as strong as ever, and many, like the transfiguration slash reincarnation he pitched in a Rolling Stone interview a few years back, they've gotten weird. His philosophy of modern song has plenty of weird in it too, but he's got new eyes and his lens for seeing the world is thinking about modern songs as a curated set of testaments to explain how, paraphrasing an album that comes from his second half of life music, he got together through life with the songs as a collective guide to finding the light of wisdom in which an elder can shine. Now, Father Rohr says we need a deeper sense of purpose in the second half of life than ideals of achievement from the first half, something more like blending ourselves back into the the dust or spirit or ether or whatever it is from whence we came. Songs. For Dylan and for so many of us, songs, these are the most cogently digestible myths of our age. They are the spoonful of sugar to help the medicine of the second half of life go down. Again, according to Jung, quote, meaning makes a great many things endurable, perhaps everything. No science will ever replace myth, and a myth cannot be made out of any science. Myth is the revelation of a divine life in man. It is not we who invent myth, but rather it speaks to us as the word of God. It's all about the myth, teaches Father Rohr. Myth the ancient well of meaning that makes modern meaning possible. We've talked so much about Dylan and myth in this podcast. We've gone deep here into the book about how Dylan's career-long pursuit of salvation in a world of man and God and law has been charted in his own songs. Here, not for the first time in a book, as we've heard in Dylan book month chapters previous, as well as in many deep dives into theme time radio hour, Dylan unfolds an associative blueprint of what makes up his philosophy of how things tick. And it's all about the myth of the songs, modern myth, modern song, modern philosophy. Dylan has offered in the philosophy of modern song a kind of philosophy of the lives of modern day musical saints they're distinctly unholy by traditional standards, but it is absolutely his hymnal of the saintly voices, a 
field guide to spiritual sustenance and making peace with the hard, unexplainable edges of life. While this is a book that's sort of like a family Bible to be leafed through as times required, a few highlights of favorite verses really help make it stick. Just because we get around It's in the chapter on my generation that the philosophy of modern song really gets rolling because that's when it has a truly beautiful point of view. It's really one of the strongest chapters in the book. First half and second half of life meet in a single reflection on a single song of a generation. talking about the list of generations. He's imagining the great first half of life songs of rock, epitomized by my generation, epitomized by the who, those angry young men. And yet it's a song of an old man. It's brilliant to think of it that way. It's how you relate to the lists of the generations, like the lists of the generation in the Bible. And throughout the philosophy of modern song, it's clear that Dylan, while he may have a photographic memory, also has a smartphone and Google for research. As he knits together various and sundry bits of trivia and memory and pop culture, making sense of the heavy lens of age, looking back on being 24 and feeling immortal. My generation. The bridge from the first half of life's ambitions to the second half of life's resignation, the philosophy of modern song, is is a recipe book for soothing alienation that could come with age. And my generation is a bridge to both. For the modern generation, the post, post, my generation, generation, the generation of modern song, the, the my of the me generation, Dylan, everything is new that was old. So too, poor little Ricky Nelson appears here in the philosophy of modern song. He, at the garden party, 
a my generation man, if ever there was, facing the me generation of the early 70s, the most famous teenager in the world. And he has just become like the wallpaper. No one recognized me. I didn't look the same, but it's all right now. I learned my lesson well. You see, you can't please everyone, so you got to please yourself. This is a book without standard punctuation, disregards tense and time. It's not clear that Dylan had a strong-handed editor. It works in bursts of creativity and whims, and not according to any kind of grand scope or plan. Dylan knows so much trivia, as we just mentioned. He has access to Gossip Mills and Us Magazine, and you may not think that he's just like us, but in those doctor's offices, he is clearly taking a peek at some of those pages and his phone, just like us. Played them all the old songs, thought that's why they came. few classic nuggets come to the surface. You give pleasure to other people and you keep your grief to yourself. Desire fades, but traffic goes on forever. These are all micro-movies of resignation. But being unbreakable, 66 short, short stories, hard-boiled Raymond Chandler-style voyeurism and aphorism that are quick and clever as anything one finds in the quotation books of Oscar Wilde. This is one of the ways creativity works, Dylan writes on page 128. And maybe this should have been the title of the book itself, The Ways Creativity Works. He deconstructs himself into dreaming back to James Dean in one of the most nostalgic and touching scenes in the book, remembering a love story, how he knows about it, and how this fictional, non-fictional made-up god of influence, James Dean clearly touches Dylan's heart. Same to the Grateful Dead, as always, but also Jack Ruby, the Osborne brothers, Lee Harvey Oswald, who Dylan mentioned at the Tom Paine dinner, sitting next to James Baldwin and creating a storm of resentment before my generation was even a glimmer in the eye of Pete Townsend. It all adds up to something in this book. It all makes sense to him, the author. Like saying that heavy metal and bluegrass are both traditional music. He talks about paycheck worship in this book as he heaps praise upon Johnny Paycheck. I can't recall One time in my life 
I felt as lonely as I do tonight. Wikipedia meets a cassette tape that he must have found beneath the passenger seat in his van while cleaning it out. The electric world can disappear, he says, but I'm in my own head. I don't know how I know. I just know, he writes, dreams suffocate in these airless environs. Mercy, merci, mercantile, and mercenary. He says these words all come together. Did he come up with that? Geopolitical herpes. Earnestness should not be confused with simplicity. Nothing scarier than someone earnest in a delusion. The philosophy of modern song is episodic. It can be captured in the turn of a phrase, like the chria of the Greco-Roman literature I talked about in my book, and these aphorisms and turns of phrases, so much like a chria, that were meant to provide a worldview and affirmed a way of life in a snapshot of a reflection on a great person. This is the philosophy of the book, character after character. To be a great person means to survive and tell a tale with wit, humility, and the guts to know that you did it. And you, each of these characters reflected back on a you. You is the audience and the narrator. You, time and time again, that's the teller of these chriyas, these short, cinescopic reflections. Second person singular or second person plural. It's not clear. You did this. You did that. You were there. Is it a you of empathy or accusation? I am you and you are me and we are all together. John Lennon said that. But in reading the philosophy of modern song, a truer phrase cannot be. Somehow, the most colorful individualists from Johnny Paycheck to Johnny Cash are all somehow a reflection of the you who is the reader and the you who is the singer or teller of these tales. If you have to ask what is the philosophy of modern song after reading this book, especially after reading this book aloud and sampling these tunes, you have not been listening because you, you, you were there all along. Bob Dylan is almost always been a second half of life songwriter. Even when he sang Positively Fourth Street, Idiot Win, or Wiggle Wiggle, there was always something of the old soul in him. Violin and I were just alike. We'd give her all the music, and soon we'll give our life. As the oldest rocker around these days, he's now proved to be a second half of life singer, if not a third half of life singer. Music gets to teens, to teens because it takes them to a home far, far away from the place of their birth. Like Odysseus or Moses or Bob Dylan, as he describes himself in the Martin Scorsese documentary. Love is the drug, but music is the stimulant and elixir to both want to grow up with and to want to stay young with. It's the medicine and the potion, the understanding we need to roam in our feelings 
At whatever stage of life we encounter them, we cannot stay home, but we must build a home with the experiences we have found. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's all. In the end, Dylan and his immortal you come back to the music that shaped him, just the way that Philip Roth came back to reread all of his own old books, as well as the classics that he had read before he had written them, in the relative calm of the years before he died. You have to solve your loneliness for yourself. You have to find a way to leave home and find a home yourself. Art wakes you up and teaches you to feel and feed your ego in the first half of life. But then you and you and I and you and we and we are all together to grow up. You build a house for your family in the first half of life and then another for your loneliness when you're old. This is a book of a quirky old man with a creative spirit still buzzing with life force, astoundingly well-read, including cheap paperbacks, detective novels, magazines, and he remembers all of it, or at least knows where to look it up, in all of the ways that he could ever want to. Movies, the fancy foreign kind, and spaghetti westerns, these carry the myths. And above all else, he's committed to decade upon decade of a movable feast of music, to the point where you can hear this book as a kind of soliloquy in 66 parts. Each verse has a different set of kinks, but it's all the same. He looks back, his generation, your generation, my generation, and he sees something, something that holds it all together. What is it? He sees himself in all of these songs, which means you can see yourself in these songs too. Now, the house always wins, but it doesn't matter. His heart is in the highlands, grumpy, inspiring, funny. The old guy in the barbershop making sense of the world with a one-liner at the right moment. But he's a kinder and gentler Lenny Bruce, a slightly more barbed Bruce Springsteen, a stone-cold philosopher of modern song. He's the brother you never had, captain of a ship ferrying across the water, first half of life long past, but still sharp in the mind's eye. Second half of life, fading too. If you want the rudder, take the rudder, he says. You know where we're going. Together, through life. Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is. This has been part four of Bob Dylan and the book, the 10th episode of the third season of About Man and God and Law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan. I am your host, Dr. Stephen Daniel Arnoff. Stay tuned for another chapter or two as we close out the season. I'll hope to see some of you at the world of Bob Dylan in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
at the end of May and beginning of June, I am delighted to be presenting with some beloved colleagues at The Convening. We are proud to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Visit pantheonpodcast.com for all of the podcasts for music lovers that will keep your philosophy of modern song alive and well. Thanks for coming, and see you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.